Hello and welcome to episode 163 of the NFL Scotland podcast. We saw history made. We saw history repeat itself. It's week three. It's in the history books itself. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. We saw long kicks, longer kick returns and a transient from Wisconsin winning on the West Coast. All of that and more to come here on the NFL Scotland podcast in the company of, oh, well, I was going to say Dumb and Dumber, but that's Cameron and I, Charles <laughs> Patterson and Gordon McGuinness from the NFL Scotland team join us. Gentlemen, good evening and welcome. Good evening. Good evening. How's it going? A transient. What's, where are we going with a transient here? It's a rather large word for the start of the podcast. It's tremendous. Can, can Aaron Rodgers not afford a haircut? You know, we, are we trimmed somewhere, you know, and actually look like he's a human being once more? Uh, I, well, it's apparently the vogue to grow your hair. Just now. at least he's got rid of the dodgy tash from a couple of weeks ago. So um, he's 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 got rid of his hobo look. He just now looks like some kind of dropout from college. Which, let's be honest, uh, is not much of an upgrade. But um, I, I missed you last week. I have to say, by the way, I missed I missed all your uh, your witterings and musings. And um, it's probably a good thing because as we were discussing off air, I agreed with Gordon on everything. So it would have been a very dull. Uh, <laughs> Nobody wants to hear you two agreeing. Um, if we're dumb and dumber, you're cheese and crackers, uh, and I'll let you decide which one's which. Um, week three, gentlemen, let's get straight in, and, and let's just get this out of the way, right? Let's 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 get the stuff out of the way at the beginning, and then we'll get into the real things. Well done, Charles. Congratulations. Um, I talked about history repeating itself. Scoring on the Packers with too much time left on the clock is something we've seen before and something that I woke up to, to to sit through the game and get down to the wire. And no, even with that short time, I was like, nah, this isn't enough. It's not enough. Uh, we, on the balance of things, I don't think we would have deserved it. I, I think the better team won on the night. Um, it's one of those ones I, I get a lot of stick on this podcast for backing against my team when it comes to the pick six. You lot give me tor- torrent abuse. Uh, and I decided this week, do you know what? I'm going to take that on board and I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to back my Niners. I was the only one. I thought, oh, here's a wee opportunity to sneak. Yeah, I totally fucked it. Oh. So I won't be doing that again. Um, and you can just stick your feedback up your arse a lot of you. I'll be backing against my Niners forevermore. And you what, can all would- lump it. <laughs> Why would you back for? Why would you back San Francisco when they're playing against Aaron Rodgers? That's just a bad idea. I don't back know. Them in Recent history, we've kind of been whooping your ass more often than not. If he we had a running them, game, he backed against them against the Eagles, who are not good, and we were close. <laughs> but still, but still, did you pick them? Did you pick them against the Lions in Week One? Yes. There you go. Well, so, so, if you hadn't, then there would have been serious questions about your sanity there. <laughs> I backed them, but that was nervy. And then the Eagles, it was hardly clinical. Listen, the the issue, two two major issues for the Niners, and and we talked last week about you know the two and zero oh and a long way to go. And I guess you know for me, I had worries. I've talked about it repeatedly. The, the worries remain. The injuries to the running back room are significant. Um, you know, it's a big part of our game plan is to have the running game, uh, and I think that it's a problem when it's not there. So it'll be interesting to see or see what Shanahan does. Um, who you know, who ultimately comes in? Does uh, do some of the players start to come back? So that's a tough one. But the worst one, the much worse situation is that secondary. Uh, and Aaron Rodgers is definitely not the quarterback that you want to have 
with a dodgy secondary. And they looked exposed in a number of times. There's a couple of decent players in there, but for the most piece, nah, it's a problem area. Um, and good quarterbacks will pick us apart. And unfortunately, uh, coming up against Russell Wilson this weekend, we could see something very similar if we're not on top of him with a front seven putting the pressure on. I don't think that was the problem, though. I genuinely, when you look at the game, the reason that they lost that game in part was because the Green Bay offense was in sync. There was no pressure on Aaron Rodgers. And you look at the offensive line of the Green Bay Packers, and I sent you a message before the game. The offensive line of the Green Bay Packers is broken. Bakhtiari's out. Elton Jenkins is out. Corey Lindsley's left. They've got two rookies on that starting offensive line. The San Francisco pass rush was nowhere to be seen. They got to him once. They were, he was getting the ball out inside three seconds the whole game. There was a brilliant stat in the middle of the third quarter. I think he'd thrown 14 out of 14 passes under 2.5 seconds or something like that. And if they had a pass rush, San Francisco, they would have they would have stifled that offense. They had no pass rush. I would be more concerned about that because, of course, if you give him time, he's going to pick you apart. They played two deep safeties and he was just having fun all night. And then when they brought someone up, he went deep. It's... It's easy. It's quarterback 101 as far as he's concerned. But if you put a quarterback under pressure, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, whether it's Patrick Mahomes, whether it's Tom Brady, then they will struggle. You saw it in the Super Bowl with Mahomes. You've seen it. You saw it with Brady when the Rams got to him on Sunday night. And we'll talk about that later. But that was the problem for me. And if San Francisco's pass rush isn't there, there's no defense at all. It doesn't matter how bad your your cornerbacks are and your safeties are. That was That was the reason they won. And it was, and it flattered them as well. The fact that they were ahead with thirty-seven seconds to go, it was absolutely flattering. I wouldn't have. I watched like the first, I think, quarter or so before going to bed on Sunday night, and was genuinely stunned when I woke up in the morning, and it was like some kind of close game yeah. because the first quarter just looked like the, the 49ers weren't going to be close. Yeah, yeah, it was like the championship game uh, to a point the from twenty nineteen. Um, where it was it was ridiculously one-sided. And and really, you know, bar Trey Lance running it in just before half-time, it was... Pfft, that was possibly a turning point there, to be honest. But, no, you're right. You know, one sack's not good. Two sacks the week before against the Eagles. Three sacks in week one against the Lions. We know the pass rush is there, and it's capable. Um, Bosa's coming back off an injured year. Needs a bit of time to get going. But, yeah, it's not quite firing on all cylinders yet. Uh, and therefore, that's something that we definitely need to address. And again, that's where Russell Wilson is the sort of quarterback who can rip us to, to shreds. Uh, by the time we come around to Kyler Murray, if we've not got our pass rush in order, then yeah, we could be on the wrong end of a couple of doings. It's not, it's not a good division to to not have a good secondary. When Kyler Murray's really improving, Russell Wilson is what he is, and Stafford is playing like what the Rams thought he would. But yet, once again... We, we had a cracker primetime game. Another really, really good matchup, um, which is great. Thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, the, the, the big primetime games have been really entertaining. The Eagles-Cowboys, maybe not so much, to be honest, but, um, you know, Packers-Diners ended up being a thriller, which was great. I think in general, this NFL season, like, even beyond the primetime games, there's been a lot of good, close, exciting games. And I, I've got no idea. I'm just going to pretend that it's definitely because there's fans back in the stadium and it adds to the atmosphere because um, that seems like good narrative to run with but it, it, it definitely has felt like we've had a lot more tension and a lot more excitement in games 
I think you're right, Gordon. I I, I think the players are reacting to the crowds. I think it is largely to do with the crowds. I think we're seeing that across just about every sport. I mean, baseball's different. You know, Scottish football's different. Uh, Even the Prawn Sandwich Brigade at some of the English Premier League games are making it slightly more interesting, although not overly much. But I think it's it's made a huge difference. And I think the thing that it adds for me is, is the human element. I mean, you speak to a lot of coaches, players in various sports, and, you know, you get the guys who are brilliant on the training ground, but the second they're in front of a crowd, it's, it's a different dynamic altogether. You know, that that mental strength, the ability to make plays when you're down, the ability to forget about the catch you made and go back and make the next one or the throw that you didn't make, that's such a strong part of the game. And, you know, I've really missed having the crowd on the backs of players and things like that, not in a nasty way, but, you know, you are trying to create that that home field advantage. I think it's also affecting the officiating as well. I think, you know, we, we are seeing Homer calls once more, which we weren't seeing before. Don't don't tell Lions fans that. Well, can I can I tell you that I, I've got a ball bag nomination for you, Gordon. Now, this depends oh, on one sake. thing. It's, it's just one thing. If you do not have that thud of Justin Tucker, the ball hitting the post, is your ringtone for your text alerts. <laughs> then you're getting a ball bag award because that is the best noise I have heard in ages. And I can't believe that any true Baltimore fans wouldn't have that as an alert on their phone. So now's your chance to come clean. I do not. I, I mean, I don't use any ringtone on the phone. I just keep it on vibrate or silent. So Because <laughs> it goes off that so, often. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I'll, I'll let you away with it. But isn't that one of the best noises of the whole season? Because it was one heck of a thud. Uh, brilliantly picked up by by the microphones. And I think we're going to talk about Baltimore Lions. And this is where I've got to give Gordon credit. He called this as a trap game. Gordon, why did you call it as a trap game? Because, so coming off the high of beating the Chiefs, you see this with teams all the time in all sports. When you come off that big, like getting the monkey off your back type of thing, they always struggle a little bit in the next game. And, Weirdly, I don't necessarily know that I was right, with the exception of Marquise Brown's hands. Because if he had hands that could catch, the game's probably done at halftime. That was like heading for a blowout that was kept in it by just some absolutely horrible drops by him. Um, A a weird game in that statistically doesn't look like Lamar Jackson's best game, but was one of the best passing games he's had. He threw some tremendous passes downfield that should have resulted in huge big plays and were just dropped. But it's one of those things like, regardless of how bad some teams in the NFL are, th- these are professional sport sporting athletes. And if you keep them in games, it's always going to get nervy for you at the end. The, the number of close games that we've seen in the first three weeks, the number of games that could have gone either way it has been absolutely extraordinary. And there seems to be a bunch of teams that I think there's about 20 teams that are as much of a muchness in this, in this league. I mean, you look at Minnesota, Minnesota are one and two. They could conceivably be three, you know, just now Baltimore lost to the Raiders in overtime. So they could be three, you know, they could conceivably be own three. And what's the difference there? Your, your, you know, your difference is your season shot to bits or your, your lineup, you know, a, a top, top spot in the, in the conference in championship game and it's it's so the margins are so narrow but the teams that tend to come out on top are the ones that have either got that x-factor player or they've got the experience of having done it before and 
you know, I, I, you got to feel a little bit of sympathy for Detroit, only a tiny bit, because they have actually played okay in parts over the course of three, you know, three weeks. They, they played pretty well in the second half against San Francisco. They played pretty well in the first half against Green Bay and they hung in there against Baltimore and they've got nothing on the board to show for it. And there are far worse 0-3 teams than they are. And yet you've got a team like Denver who played the three worst teams in the division, in, in the whole of the NFL, and they're 3-0. and And now there's suggestions that Denver are a playoff team. So the margins for error are so thin. Can I come to Denver's defence? Just slightly, because I, I fully accept what you say. But there's also that thing is you can only beat what's in front of you. And I think the, the credit that I would give Denver is, I think, Bridgewater's look good. Now, we might forget just how good a quarterback Terry Bridgewater was with the Vikings when he was coming up. You've got to beat what's in front of you. They've never been in trouble. Um, and I think that's a good sign. They've done the job. They're 3-0. and And that might give them a lift. Do I think they're a playoff team? Actually, no, I don't. Uh, but it's nice to see... Uh, the progress that they've made, because that's a yardstick. You know, if they'd struggled to get over the line in these games, I would have been worried. But, you know, they've taken care of them relatively easily. Although you, you did mention, I think they have played the three worst teams um, they, that are around. They've got money in the bank a little bit now. So they get the Ravens at home this Sunday. And because they've won the three games that they should have won, uh, it's not it's not like it was incredibly difficult games, but they won the games they had to win. They've given themselves the luxury of it's a game at home. If you don't win this game, you're still three and one. You're still in a pretty good shape, you know, a little under a quarter of the way into the season. But it's a game at home. Denver's not an easy place to play, especially early in the season, because teams are adjusting fitness-wise and the altitude's a problem. There was a stat a couple of years ago about their home field advantage in the first month of the season at home is huge because teams just aren't ready for the altitude and stuff like that. So they put themselves in a position whereby they're going to be three and one at worst after four games. And the playoffs are probably a realistic aim for them because of that seventh seed now making the playoffs. Mm. Nine and eight will very, well, nine and eight will have you in the playoff hunt, whether or not it gets you in there or not. Right. What we're going to do this week as well is we're, we're talking about some exciting stuff. Um, we're talking about some positives. We're going to actually split our awards uh, and talk about the Loch Lomond Belter up front. Then we'll chat about some of the noise, about some of the negatives, and, and we'll close off with the Bobak Award. So um, <clears throat> we've once again had a number of submissions, thanks to you, the listeners. Um, obviously, every single week of the season, both regular postseason right up to the Super Bowl, we're asking you for your thoughts on our two weekly awards, our Belter and our Bobak. Our Belter, of course, supported by Loch Lomond, uh, whiskies, and we are delighted to be giving away yet another bottle of NFL Scotland branded Loch Lomond single malt whisky with two NFL Scotland Loch Lomond tumblers. And then later on in the show, we'll give away a pair of Bobag underwear um, for someone who's nominated into the Bobag Award as well. But let's go through the the Loch Lomond Belter because I think the conversation's fairly short, uh, and we can do this, and then we can move on, right? So. Um, Slightly different approach to doing this. We're kind of, I was a bit all over the place last time, so I'm trying to pull these together and categorize it kind of like an awards. Think of this as the Oscars, right? And these are your award nominations, right? So we've got a couple of nominations for, and putting these together, Brandon Staley and Justin Herbert. 
So John Clark says, for having the balls to go for it and not just take the field goal. Sean Black says, 30-24, do not need to say anything else. And Jimmy Morrison says, Justin Herbert laying the smackdown on the Chiefs, putting them to below 0.500 for the first time since 2015, came out hot, took the lead, and kept the pressure on the whole game. Uh, Craig Cowan says, Dak Prescott, home return from long layoff, three touchdowns, pipe and slippers stuff. Um, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven nominations for Jamal Agnew. Uh, David Black says, 109-yard kickoff return. You love to see it. Lauren Callahan says, 109-yard missed field goal return for a touchdown. What were the Cardinals thinking trying a 68-yard field goal? Uh, special humanitarian mention, though, to Philadelphia head coach Nick Sirianni. Because of him, following in the lines of previous Eagles coaches trying to develop the rivalry with Dallas, Dallas, a whole load of beat Dallas t-shirts are now going to be clothing the impoverished people in the third world. <laughs> Savage! Um, there's a couple others here as well. Donald McLeod, it's 109 fucking yards, is all he says. Um, Derek Hill, for his 109-yard uh, missed field goal return, and nearly giving the Jags commentator a coronary. So, David Dreiber actually gives that to Gus Johnson for his incredible call of, the, of Jamal Agnew's 109 touchdown. It was a brilliant play, but it was called absolutely tremendously as well. There are two nominations for Josh Allen. Ewan Chalmers says, back to last season's form after a couple of weeks where people questioned him. Could have thrown it to Diggs a few more times for fantasy football. Uh, and Sarah Ross says, he's my fantasy QB and pulled out of the bag massively this week. Had a cracking game. Scored well above projection. Um, the, Mark McEwen says, Matt Stafford's Rams for matching up to Brady. Patrick Watson says, the Rams front office. Uh, Matthew Stafford and Jalen Ramsey are two key components of the Rams' current success. Both were acquired via blo blockbuster trades that attracted some criticism at the time for being overly aggressive and giving away too much draft capital. In return, we're dealing away. Sorry, in return for dealing away Ramsey, the Jags now have Clavon Chase on, who has one career sack, and Travis Etienne, a first-year running back who's out for the year. The Rams, in return, have one of the best corners in the game. NFL fans and teams get too hung up on the prospect and value of first-round picks. The Matthew Stafford trade will prove that once again. Uh, Cameron Christie then adds Trevon Diggs, a huge performance for Dallas, including a pick-six, looking like the Cowboys' best cornerback for years. However, other than that, 25 nominations for Justin Tucker. So <laughs> I'm not going to read them all out because they're pretty much all the same. <laughs> so I'm just going to read a couple, right? So Philip Spear says, there were loads of fabulous moments this weekend. The 109 touchdown, however, it has to be Tucker. Longest kick in history. Saved my Aka also. Such drama. Will it? Won't it? Then doink. It's good. Stunning. Uh, great uh, recount of that one. Um, Reese Evans just says, for breaking the NFL field goal with a 66-yard kick to clinch the game from the cursed Lions. You know, uh, William Hill says, the Ravens kicker broke the NFL record for the longest field goal in the very last play of the game with a 66-yarder. Loads of comments. NFL record to win the game. Incredible kicker. No one else is more deserving. I really think there's no other candidate, says Johnny Bailey. He, even... There's no other candidate. Uh, who, who? Johnny Bailey. Who's Johnny Bailey said that. Wow. <laughs> so I'll, I'll read this out. Uh, 
I really think there is no other candidate even close for this week's belter. 66-yard NFL record kick for the win. Oh, hang on a minute. Wait a minute. Sorry, that's not what Johnny Bailey said. That's what Jordan Bailey said. I've got Johnny Bailey's here. The best kicker of all time in the NFL, kicking a 66-yard game winner. The longest kick in NFL history. The only choice for me this week for the belter. Incredible. So let's just have this conversation. Is there anybody else other than Justin Tucker that's getting the Loch Lomond Belter Award this week? So the answer to that is no. However, seeing as no one mentioned him, I'm going to give a probably a consolation belter to Dan Campbell from the Lions. So there's obviously been controversy around the, the play clock and the run-up to the field goal or the, the play before the field goal. And it's like the whole the NFL system for the play clock is terrible. Just have a buzzer like the NBA does or have like something that goes off. It's really simple. Like The whole process is the back judge is looking at it. The back judge waits for the clock to hit zero. He waits for a beat after it hits zero. He then checks if the ball is moving, which gives you basically an extra second and a half, two seconds if you really need it. Dan Campbell could have easily came out and cried about that, but instead he focused on the fact that they didn't execute in fourth and 19. Um, they didn't execute earlier in the game, stuff like that. I, I really, really hope that Dan Campbell is a success in Detroit because everything he says just seems to come with the what from the place of a guy who really cares about wanting to be successful but is a bit of a decent guy as well. So I, I hope he is very successful. Yeah. I, yeah, I would be happy to give it to um, Justin Tucker. Um, it was fantastic that he did it. But I tell you what, if the ball had hit the bar and gone back the other way, Baltimore would immediately, immediately have been my nominations for ball bags of the week for failing to beat the Lions because they are still, in my view, going to be number one pick next season. I said that. No, I'm going to be number one pick next season. There's no, no, there's no way. Be. There's no way after three weeks of the season. Like they're, some of the some of the performances, their schedule seen. stinks. Their schedule's horrific. It's absolutely horrific. I cannot see. Um, they, there's a chance they'll beat Chicago. Yeah, there's and they get to play them beat. twice. So there's two wins more than the Correct. Jacks are going to well, get. Well, there is a chance. Well, you, you need to worry about that, don't you, son? Um, there is a chance. I'm not worried. That they I'm really not worried. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know? Listen, um, what, he is the, the the best kicker that the game has ever seen, and it's. It's a differential. It's it. It's the margin that allows you to to win those the, those little game. You know the, the, those fine margin games to get you into the playoffs, to get you beyond the playoffs. Interestingly, his record in the playoffs has never been particularly brilliant, but I'll, he is the best of the lot, and he's proved it. So there's no there's no other candidate. I mean, Jamal Angie was brilliant, absolutely yeah. brilliant, and, but then that was that was down to idiocy of even attempting the kick. So. It's only two yards more. It's only two yards more than Tucker. On grass. On grass. Prater's got a huge leg as well, but yeah, it's yeah. not like yeah. out, outdoors. That was, it that was pushing silly. it. It was pushing yeah. it. Uh, Paul, anyone to add? I don't think I can, I can add. I mean, I like Jamal Agnew. I presume he's Scottish somewhere along the line with that surname. So, <laughs> you know, he should be getting some love from the NFL Scotland podcast. Um yeah, yeah, just I, th- I think I'm, I'm with Gordon. A wee honourable mention uh, for Marshall and Lattimore of the Saints, who is having a tremendous season, basically helped shut down the Patriots uh, the weekend. You know, a 19 passer rating. Um, 
you know, one interception, pass batted down, 10 tackles, three defensive stops. Um, he's a big part for the Saints, and the Saints secondary has never been particularly great. So I think he gets a wee honourable mention. But yeah, I've mentioned on the podcast before, and I'll mention again, it's somebody who does something exceptional that we don't see too often. And Jamal Agnew any other week would probably win it. Uh, but it wasn't a game winner or anything like that. And that's why I go with uh, Justin Tucker. Yeah, I, I think it. you're right. In any other week, I, you know, Agnew would absolutely be getting it because it was tremendous, absolutely brilliant play. Um, I think for me, it's the significance of the fact that I don't think there's a, a kicker deserves the record more than Justin Tucker. For the career that he's had, the consistency that he's shown, you know, a position where we've seen teams cut players so quickly. He has been a mainstay, uh, a continuous source of points in fantasy football. If you've got Justin Tucker, he's the kicker that you go see in the 10th round rather than the 16th because he's worth taking the risk because he's brilliant. He's consistent. He is the best kicker. And it was great to see him break the record. But to do it and win the game, <laughs> it's just, yeah. you know, and a game that fine, they should have been winning anyway, but it doesn't matter. He missed that and they were, they'd lost the pressure, um, you know, he stepped up, he kicked it, and the fact that it hit the bar, and you had that moment, and then you see the hands go up, and it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant, uh, and I thought it was a great NFL moment, uh, a historical moment, of course, but brilliant to watch as a neutral, I thoroughly enjoyed it, I feel sorry for the Lions fans. Uh, Steve Collins, who writes for our NFL Scotland website, who's a brilliant writer, leads up our divisionals, Um uh, and I'm really sorry for Steve because I think that the Lions fans need and hopefully will get a break this weekend against the Bears because they have played really well and there's signs of life there. But yeah, a, a great, great moment. The yeah, fact that, just, sorry, the, Gordon, can I just finish the, the, the one point just on the Jamal Agnew one? You mentioned the call of Gus Johnson. I want to go back and listen to it again. I was actually quite underwhelmed by it. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I, d- I didn't think oh, it was... Paul being underwhelmed by a commentator is probably the most surprising thing I've heard today. <laughs> yeah, well, prob- probably will be. I, I, my standards are high, what can I say? Um, you know, I just... I, I'm i not sure. And, and, and I'll mention this on next week's pod, so you, you can come back to me right. on this. I will go away and listen to it again. It was not... Because, you know, I'm sad. I, you know, I listen intently to these things. I didn't think it was a particularly great call at the time. I'll go back and listen to it. Okay. Yeah, see. I... The the thing that I feel most sorry for for Lions fans is that eight years ago Justin Tucker went to Detroit and scored a game winning sixty one yard field goal. Like to have, to have watched that happen twice, you just it must just feel like so typically Lions. Um, the other thing I want to say on that on that kick, the Ravens put together a great um, like social media clip of various people in the stadium, even a couple of Lions. Uh, radio guys calling it but they also had so there was two UK Ravens meetups in Leeds and London I think it was um, and there was a few guys from Scotland went down to that and they included both of those in the video for it and like you get to see the fans because I remember watching it it looks like it's going through and you're like oh this, this has a chance then it hits the upright and you're like oh it's not and it just seemed to hang in the air for ages and drop before you knew where it dropped like which side of the post and then you just see the fans erupting, so it's great. But no, I think it's fairly conclusive. Let's raise a dram to Justin Tucker. You are the Loch Lomond Belter of the Week. Well, I would if you'd send me a couple of glasses, you miserable 
Irish anyway. <laughs> They're on their way. Um, <laughs> so we'll move on to the Bobak conversation. But before we get to that, I think something that we probably should look in on after three games is the rookie quarterbacks that have come into the league. Because we've seen appearances from six of them now. Um, you know, we've seen, obviously, the big two. We knew we were going to see Wilson and Lawrence. We knew, like, when they were drafted. We knew before week one we were going to see Mac Jones. We didn't know when we were going to see Justin Fields. We saw him this weekend. Uh, we saw him achieve a, a, a net one-yard passing as the Bears gained a net 47 yards compared to Justin Tucker's 66-yard field goal. Um, a net net one yard passing, by the way. Net one yard, net yeah, yeah. One yard passing. So, just to put that in comparison, Jamal Agnew ran 108 yards more <laughs> than the Bears passed net on on Sunday. I take some doing. So, I'm going to be bold. I think I could pass for a yard in the NFL. Um, no, that, this is this is the <laughs> same. Pass for one there yard. Is, there is no. There's a guy every year who comes out with a ludicrous sporting thing, and there was a thing I a couple of years it. ago. No, you couldn't. There's could. a guy, and and there was like a list of things, and it was like hit a home run in baseball. No, no, no. Uh, score, I can pass a yard. Score, score, score for like uh, score a one on one against LeBron James. Um, couldn't successfully do that. block Aaron Donald. No, and this guy, this guy tried to successfully argue that if you gave him a hundred blocks, he would on one of those successfully block Aaron Donald. No, he wouldn't. And Cameron, I can tell you, in an NFL setting, you would not throw for a yard. One yard. You could have 100 passes. No. And do you know what? I think we should test this out when we can with the Edinburgh Wolves, who are, <laughs> let's be honest, NFL light. Yeah. And that yeah, can be yeah, yeah. that can be the, the second round of uh, NFL podcasters do trials. And we <laughs> will do that. We'll get that set up and we will all watch you try and pass for a yard with us as defensive linemen. And that won't happen, which means it wouldn't happen in the NFL either. So 15 attempts. I can give you guys an example. So as you know, I do the Scottish International Bowls each year. And Paul Foster, who's won that tournament, a uh, great Scottish bowler, uh, you know, <laughs> challenged me to go on the ring, you know, play for a tenor. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't in the end. But I'll tell you what, I would take a shot off Paul Foster because I would get the last ball at so many ends, you know, the the odds and probability would be in my favour. Now, that's the sort of sport where you can take a shot off someone. Chances of beating them virtually nil for your average club bowler, but you can. But when you start to go at it, and, and Gordon's right, I mean, I I, if Aaron Donald and I stood up against each other, he's going to beat me. Oh, I mean, yeah. he'd beat me five times out of 100. Never mind 100 out of 100, you know. He'd just is, take the complete. And there's there's just certain things in life that you, you know you can do in a sporting because certain sports are more level playing field. The NFL is just so far above. I mean, pass for one yard camera, I, I'd be impressed if you actually got a pass away, let alone anything <laughs> else. Let alone connect it. And I'm not being funny. It'd be the same for any of us. Just think about the think about the logistics. So okay, so assuming if you're going for one yard, you understand you're not completing anything downfield, so you're attempting something short. Yeah. In NFL setting, it's a screen. Not probably none of us. None <laughs> of us can throw a wide receiver screen that's going to work like that. None of us are going to be able to successfully pull off the timing of a 
running back screen. And if you want to try like a pop pass, the timer of that's going to be messed up as well. It's not. It's not happening. Shuffle you're not pass. getting it. You're not passing for a yard. I could pass for a yard. I, I'm no. I'm definitely good. <laughs> no, definitely no. good. I, I hear all the points. I right. Burgers. I couldn't block Aaron Burgers. Donald. I couldn't I block want, Aaron Donald. I want a poll. I want a poll up on our Twitter account tomorrow yep, after so this goes I. out. So do yes. I. Yes. Pass for a yard. So I think right to your other ones right. 10 Camerons couldn't block one Aaron Donald, right? 10 of me would struggle to block him. I'm pretty convinced of that. Um, I could throw for one yard. Padded, with a setup, a decent... You you couldn't complete a pass. A run book, uh, and a decent decent set of wide receivers. Like, I need to have someone capable of catching it. Who's catching it? In an NFL team. Who you nominated to catch it? Can I pick anybody? Yep. I could pick absolutely anybody to catch my pass. Anyone. Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey. I'll take <laughs> Travis Kelsey uh, as my tight end. Because um, he's near the off it's gonna be the nearest to the offensive line because you would have been of the hash mark. And, and so I'm gonna have Kelsey on one side and I'll have Darren Waller on the other side. Um so that I've got options. If Kelsey's covered, I can look to my <laughs> left and find Waller. <laughs> You know, you know what you the worst? You have options. Oh right? my lord! I've got Kyle. You're doing your back before you I've turn. I've got Kyle Jusek as my um, running back, so he can throw some extra blocks up front. Um, and actually, do you know what? I've got Dalvin Cook in there as well because Dalvin Cook can obviously, you know, Kyle can Juice can go up and block. Uh, Cook just sits in behind, just slightly in front, so I can pitch it down to him if I need to. I've got Kelsey and I've got Waller there. Now, granted, Justin Fields doesn't have that depth of talent, but he's a quarterback, right? He can do more than a yard, and it's not even on Fields. That's on Nagy, but we'll get to that. Uh, uh, Mr. McGuinness, you've got your hand I in I love this. I love, I love that you're going through your progressions. I hate to break it to you. One, you're not completing a pass. Two... If your first read is not open, your second read is whatever is on the ceiling of the dome or the <laughs> sky above you. Can I pick the defense I'm up against as well? No. Oh. It's an NFL defense. Yeah, 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 as long yeah, as they're yeah, in the NFL, right. yes. The, the Atlanta Falcons, right? The entire St- Atlanta Falcons defense. <laughs> That's what I'm up against. And I've got Kelsey, Waller, uh, Cook, Juice, um, and, a, and a, a receiver. Do you know what? I, I, I'm trying to think of a safe pair of hands, to be honest. Oh, DK Metcalf, because he's fast, right? So what he can do is he can run really quickly. He's going to help you. So I'm going to throw the ball far enough. Actually, yeah, Metcalf's no good for me here, is he? He's down the field. Right, so what I need is a slot receiver, a Julian Edelman. I'm going to bring him out of retirement. Um, I will put Julian Edelman in there, uh, and he could catch anything, you know. so hang on a minute. Hang Charles, on, hang on, hang on. So you want two tight ends, one of neither of them is George Kittle, which is the shirt that you wear at every yeah, 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 yeah. end. I've gone for height, Charles. So you've you've already done in your own. No, no, no. Tight it's got nothing to do with his you, capabilities. You I'm, wanna... I'm thinking about mine here. I'm thinking about height, right? So what I'm doing is I'm throwing this. So Waller, Waller's taller, and Kelsey's taller, right? And they're bigger bodies. So what you could do is if my throws wayward, which is likely to be. It's going to go up, and they can go up and get it. And I think that, you know, Waller in particular has got that extension, those long arms that he can go and grab that ball. So for me, Darren Waller's probably my – I think I'm actually targeting Waller first. Uh, Check down to Kelsey, not an option. Cook's in front of me with Juice throwing a block. Boom, we've nailed it, right? Edelman's in there in case the ball ricochets off someone. And it's landed in him. Two, po- two points here. One, three I'm concerned that this week's Lock Loman Maltz Award has already been drunk <laughs> by you. And secondly, if the NFL UK had the cojones, they would get you out at Wembley 
or, or, sorry, at Tottenham at halftime is the halftime entertainment with the backup players that haven't made the cut for the 53 and get you to actually do what you <laughs> say. And then you would hear 70,000 people chanting your name as you got stretchered off, but they've got great medical facilities, the ambulance is there, you'd be absolutely fine. Right. Paul, <laughs> let, well, give it a couple of days for people to listen to this. On Friday, so this pod, in fact, let's do this on Saturday because that's prime time. So this is, we're recording this on Wednesday. This will come out on Thursday. That gives two days for people to listen to it. On Saturday, we'll put a poll out. Let's see what people say. Come on. The, Listeners the, the, of the NFL Scotland podcast. You know, you, of you, your mind. I get what the guys are saying here, but listen. Come on. If I, uh, 20, 20 plays, right? 20, uh, no, I said 15. Let's stick to 15. I've got 15 opportunities. Out of those 15 plays, I can be throw one yard pass. <laughs> yes or no? Yes or no? Uh, just, <laughs> just coach would have pulled you. Vote with your hearts, well, no, people. Vote with your hearts. On, on those 15 plays, you're also... So the reason why Justin Fields had one net passing yard, because of the sacks he took. Yeah. So... So you're not taking any sacks in these 15 plays. I'm not saying I never said net yards. I just said I could throw for one yard. As my statement we, was, I could throw I mean, for one yard in the to, NFL. To be honest, it doesn't matter. Like, take out the sack <laughs> yards, you're still not getting a yard. Can, can I just suggest that if you're going to pick a uniform to wear, can you wear the Cleveland Browns? Because that's probably going to be the most useful for you. <laughs> I'm, going to wear, I'm going to wear a red... Uh, t-shirt and be the only person in it and I'm going to do it in pre-season training uh, but this is you know I'm just adding caveats anyway let's move on because I am just talking <laughs> this has been about <laughs> 10 minutes of pish yet <laughs> okay so rookie quarterbacks though uh, we're talking about the fact that they, they've not really set the header like Davis Mills even uh, and the Texans kind of been thrown in at the deep end there We've seen Justin Fields. We've seen, <laughs> we've seen two appearances of Trey Lance, who maybe is the only one that gets a pass because Trey Lance hasn't thrown a pass yet, but he's got two plays for six yards and two touchdowns. So statistically, every time he touches the ball, it's a touchdown, right? But outside of that, it's um, there's not been a lot to love. Who of any of them has shown you signs of life, and who are you most worried about? They are all in bad situations. Every single one of them. And for different reasons. Now, I, I remember saying this about three or four weeks ago. If you are a rookie and you're going into a scenario whereby the, the building blocks are not in place, you're going to struggle. Jacksonville speaks for itself. Trevor Lawrence has thrown a couple of nice balls. He threw a horrible pick at the weekend as well. The, the touchdown pass he threw was beautiful. He's clearly a hugely talented individual, but he's working with an absolute um, clown of a head coach from the first three weeks of of, of watching Urban Meyer and the, the the strategy there, they are going to struggle. And so he is in a bad situation. And Zach Wilson is in a terrible situation as well because he's not got any talent around him. And, he, and it's, it's unworkable to actually make progress. Justin Fields was sold down the river by his head coach. Absolutely done in. There's no doubt about it. And there's a reason clearly that Matt Nagy wanted... Andy Dalton to be the star this year because he doesn't think that Justin Fields can do it. But I don't know why then you would have a situation whereby you would put your 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 rookie and the guy who's meant to be the head of your franchise for the next 10 years under so much pressure, potentially end his career with nine sacks. And that's just mismanagement on a gross scale. And I would, if I was, there was a brilliant video piece, I think in the last couple of days where you had Rex Ryan pontificating that Matt Nagy should be sacked. Now it was a bit over the top, but I, I think there's merit in the consultation of it because it's it was disgraceful. 
what happened. Mac Jones has probably been the best of the lot, but he, he's he's in a boring offense, so nothing is being lifted there. And he's also in a situation that like, and he's talking about to Brady as well. Yeah, we talk about the situations though that like the other guys are in. He's got one of the best coaches of all time. He's got a decent offensive line in front of him. He's got you know decent tight ends there. Okay, they don't have great wide receivers, but he's got a coach who's smart enough to know how to protect. Him. And the Justin Fields thing last week was so so bizarre in the sense that so loads of people said Justin Fields should start week one. And from Justin Fields' performance this week, maybe Matt Nagy knew a little bit better than everyone else that Justin Fields was not ready to start. So you've got options at that point, though. That Andy Dalton's down, you can just say Justin Fields is not ready to start yet. He's a rookie, still working through some things. It's not a good situation to put him in. We're not going to start. Start Nick Foles instead. Or you can run an offense that is very much suited to his skill set. Justin Fields is fast, not Lamar Jackson fast, but probably Kyler Murray fast. Let him run the ball a little bit more. Use some option things in there. They were in, he was in a situation whereby, and I think a lot of the sacks were Justin Fields' fault because he held on the ball a little too long. He moved around in ways that weren't ideal. But he was also put in situations where it, it, was, it was very difficult for him to do much more because they didn't have extra protection in there. And he was going up against the defensive line. I mean, Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett, yeah, Miles Garrett should have been nominated for Belter this week from someone at least because he just destroyed that offensively. But that was, was predetermined to fail, though. There was a clearly there was an acceptance before the game that this is what we're doing, and if it, if it, if it works, well, lucky us, and if it doesn't, well, sod it. That means I'm right. Yep. And that I'm sorry, that's a failure of management and coaching. Put a, a, a he's a kid to put him in that position, and I've. Far be it for me to have sympathy for anyone associated with the Chicago Bears organization who have been dysfunctional for years, but that's just wrong on every level. Why would you draft somebody who's the future of your franchise and then basically put them out to be shot? That's what they did. And that's that does not strike me as anything other than a sackable offense, really. And the, and then Trey Lance, the jury's completely out. And actually, I think it's too soon to say. Not, we've not seen him. We've not seen him. Oh, yeah, we've not seen him. But my question is. If you're Trey Lance, you're sitting there going, right, I get brought in for a couple of plays. What have you had? Nobody knows because Shanahan likes to create this mystique of him being some kind of weird offensive guru. The whole thing's a pile of bullshit. If Trey Lance had been playing, frankly, um, I mean, Garoppolo played great on that final drive to take them into the lead. He played well in the second half, I think, Garoppolo. He did, yeah. But if Trey Lance has been drafted at number three, you're immediately, you've created a quarterback's controversy straight away which is going to last the entire season because we all know he will be the quarterback at some point and Garoppolo knows he'll be out the door at some point so my question is as a franchise where are you going here what's your plan and there also, doesn't be a plan there. also Cameron did him a huge disservice because he threw a touchdown in the opening game of the season he, he threw your first touchdown the year. oh so he did so he did yeah I'm forgetting about that yes yes he did um, so he, he must be sitting there thinking what am I actually doing at the moment? Am I going to just get to sit and watch for a year, which is what a lot of good, you know, young quarterbacks do? I mean, Mahomes did it, Rogers did it years ago, and I know Gordon doesn't like that idea because of the salary cap situation, but a lot of quarterbacks do it. I, um, but if you're going to sit for if you're Trey Lance, I, you know, if that's the plan, then let them have the plan. He shouldn't be getting brought in as a. As, yeah. a, as a kind of fourth and fourth down. Oh crap! What do we do? No, so, I, 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 I don't even was. hate that though. 
I don't hate that because that because if you want to do that, so one of the biggest mistakes they made this week, the Lions defense a couple of weeks ago made Jared Goff look like he was a sprinter out there on like a busted play or a zone read. I can't remember whatever it was, but there's a play Jared Goff got like decent yardage against the, the Green Bay Packers defense. Like the Packers perimeter defense has struggled this year. Why would you not use Trey Lance more and get him on the edge in that game? That there, there's this, if you want to go down the route and, and the Ravens did this in Lamar Jackson's rookie year where Jackson came in and ran the ball and everyone did the same thing. Like, Oh, this ruins the rhythm of the offense. I watched a Joe Flacco red offense led offense for five years before that. Like there was never any rhythm in it anyway. So you weren't breaking up anything. <laughs> it's the same for the 49ers. Yeah, There's not yeah. rhythm. Just if you need to bring Lance in, if you're going to use him 10 snaps a game, use him 10 snaps a game. I just it's fine. And it's I think they'll, develop him with a passer, though, they'll, ease him, they'll ease him in. I think that the, the fact he didn't play last year is significant there. And I think that, and, and where I got, I was getting confused earlier on. I was thinking he ran in that first game. He didn't. He threw for a touchdown. He ran uh, three times in the first game for two yards. His running wasn't all that brilliant. But yeah, he was used as that kind of novelty play against the Lions. Um, whereas he ran the one in against the Packers. But, you know, he scored two touchdowns so far. Um and he's thrown for one. Sorry, he's not scored it. He threw for one, and he's ran one in himself. But because the thing that popped in my head there is that uh, the stat that I saw this week is the first 11 touchdowns that the Niners have scored this season have been by 11 different players. Uh, the first team to do that since uh, 1970 when the NFL merger took place, which I thought was a fascinating stat. But yeah, so for me, where do we go with Trey Lance? I think that Trey Lance will be a project. He'll be eased into it. He'll be eased in and out as and when it's deemed the right time to do it. I think that if we had seen more struggles from Jimmy in the second half, I think we would have seen more Trey Lance. But Jimmy actually came out of the locker room and played really well and brought us back into the game. And therefore, it was like, right, fine. Jimmy's doing it at the moment. Let's let's let Jimmy do his thing. Um, There will be a game where we're not in it. And that's where you'll start to see Trey Lance come into it. And he'll play with the first team to try and, you know, junk time to see what he's capable of. They're trying to Mahomes him. I think, They're trying to Mahomes him. I, I, the 49ers are getting exactly right. There's no doubt about that. Just bringing them in for the occasional play. You see the Saints doing it with Taysom Hill, etc. It does work, and it can work if you game plan for it. And I think there's the difference. You game plan for it. What concerned me in Chicago, and I, I saw the Rex Ryan Dan Obriski's rant. Yes, they didn't. They didn't seem to set up to fail. They set. They set him up to fail. So a couple of things come out of that. If your fields, yes, he held on to the ball too long, but you're desperate to make a play. You're making your start in the NFL, much is expected of you. Um, so you are trying to make something happen. A more experienced quarterback, if he'd received exactly the same protection, would have been chucking that ball away and he wouldn't have been taking the punishment that he took. It's almost like the coach decided, well, I know he's not ready. Nobody's believing me that he's not ready. So I'll tell you what, I'll put him out there and I'll prove to the world that I'm right. Now, if you're a head coach, you've got to be made of stronger stuff than that. You have got to go to that podium and say, he's not ready. You take my word for it. He's not ready. Simple as that. I could put him out there and prove it to you, but we're working on things to make him when he does come in successful. So he's clearly not ready. And that's an overlook. I take Gordon's point about Trevor Lawrence. There was a couple of really bad throws, but there was also a couple of very good throws. And if he can get the time, and I I think this is what it comes down to for all of these quarterbacks. If you give them time, 
they will produce. I don't think there's any sign at the moment to say that somebody's getting a lot of time and is unable to make the passes. But because, as we know, they tend to get drafted for the poorer teams, the poorer lines, you're playing with poorer receivers, you don't get as much time. And that's why, you know, Andrew Luck got flattened in his first season, Peyton Manning got flattened in his first season, etc., etc. The one I'm worried about, and I'll be honest, is Zach Wilson, mm. because he is, he is being done a Darnold at the moment. There is no indication that the Jets have actually changed anything. Sam Darnold's gone to the Panthers. He's 3-0. and He's shown he can play a little bit. Zach Wilson cannot get pounded for the next three or four years before he gets released. But he's not got an offensive line. I mean, Darnold never had an offensive line, and Zach Wilson's in exactly the same boat, and I think he's lost his left tackle. So you are set up again to fail. And yeah. the good organisations bring in rookie quarterbacks and they develop them slowly. And I go back to what the Chiefs did with Mahomes. They sat him behind Alex Smith. And I go back to what the Packers did with Rodgers. They sat him behind Brett Favre. And they're doing it with Jordan Love just now, whether you like the pick or not. And ultimately, that, although it doesn't fit with the salary cap models and things like that, if you are a rookie and you're drafted at the top of the draft, you're drafting for a team that's crap. That's the bottom line. Daniel Jones is the same. Daniel Jones was drafted number six by the New York Giants. He came into a situation that was bad and he's not had the chance to prove himself. And I think he's also ultimately not worth a number six pick. Baker Mayfield was the in the first year was came and he was thrown in the deep end and they weren't ready. And he looked flashy and he looked good. And in the second year, the, he was shown he wasn't ready. And he's only come to the boil in year three and four. So it takes time. There's not a rookie quarterback out there that's gone and flashed in, in, in his first year, I think. The last one I can remember that got to the playoffs and did anything amazing was, um, did, not, did Andrew Luck not get to the playoffs yeah. in his first year? And then before that, it was Roethlisberger, Roethlisberger. And Roethlisberger, he, he, you know, he, was, he got to the championship game in his rookie year off the back of a running game and a defense. So it's it's really hard. It's really, really hard. And actually, the further down you're drafted, the better the situation. And that's just that's basic science because it's not, you know it's it's not though like everyone everyone's a little bit different. You can the whole salary cap thing, like you're probably not going to win the Super Bowl with a rookie quarterback. The advantage is you get more information on who the quarterback is and whether or not two years down the line when you're picking in the top five, should you actually be targeting another quarterback again? All those sorts of things. But you can look at guys, so from the same draft as Baker Mayfield, Lamar started the second half of that year. The following year was the league MVP. Josh Allen started most of his rookie year, I think. Two years later, had an MVP caliber season. So these are guys who didn't sit for a huge amount of time and were absolutely fine. It's not, it's not as simple as that. It's just... It's the, the so, it's the situation you go into, though. There's an interesting, yeah. So there's an interesting stat here, just because I looked it up, because I actually genuinely didn't know the answer to this. The last rookie quarterback to make it to the postseason was Dak Prescott uh, when the Cowboys played the Packers in 2017, right? The one before that, we had three in 2012. Russell Wilson with the Seahawks, RG3 with, the, with Washington, and Andrew Luck with the Colts, all in 2012. 2011, Andy Dalton, in his first season with the Bengals, made the postseason. Mark Sanchez in 2009 with the Jets. Joe Flacco with the Ravens in 2008, as did Matt Ryan with the Falcons in 2008. Um, Roethlisberger with the Steelers 2004. 
Before that, you got to jump all the way back to 1986, Jim Everett. The first player to do it, Dan Marino, 1983. But uh, that, that, that's that, wrong that, as well, though. Is it? Yeah, but yeah, Lamar Jackson was 2018. Oh, sorry. So this was an article from 2017. Apologies. So yes. <laughs> Sorry, forget I was forgetting the more recent ones. Yes, fine. That, fine, that, fine, that, fine, fine. Lamar was drafted at the bottom of the draft, of course, uh, of the first round. And again, there was some conjecture about what, what he was worth as a quarterback at the time. And Dak Prescott was a fourth round pick who was due to sit behind Tony Romo, of course. So these were guys who were not necessarily brought in to start straight away. Whereas the, if you're drafted in the top 10 picks, you're pretty much you know, guaranteed to be getting thrown in there early doors. But you're going in with a team that's either obtained a pick from somewhere, like Miami did last year, or you're going into a team that's rubbish. So you're you're set up to be struggling. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is meant to be the greatest prospect of the last decade. And he's clearly got talent, but he's got no offensive line. And they're trading away players, and he's got a, a head coach that's come in who's got a bizarre setup and system. He is going to struggle this year and next year, and probably the year after that. And Zach Wilson has no doubt got loads of talent, but he's got no offensive line. So I don't see it's not actually surprising that we're discussing this at all. But they're also they're all three games into their NFL careers at yeah. best at this point. So it's not like Peyton Manning went three and thirteen in his in his um, rookie season. Look what happened to him. Yeah. So I mean, there's nothing that says that there's nothing to say at this point that Trevor Lawrence doesn't turn the Jaguars around next season, the season after. There's nothing to say that Zach Wilson and Robert Sala aren't the combination that turns the Jets around next season, the season after. There's nothing to say that Justin Fields and the next Chicago Bears head coach don't help them make the playoffs next year. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're not going. They're not making the playoffs next year. No, unless they fire <laughs> that's, the higher coaching staff. And that, that's that's why I said Justin Fields and the next Bears head coach, not Matt Nagy. <laughs> no, but on, they, they still need to get rid of the front office too. So on on that note, let's move on to the Bob Ag Award, right? Um, because there's a Just number give of it to Matt Nagy. Well, so so there is a number of people have gone for the Bears Matt Nagy, a combination of all this, right? So I think out of all the nominations, thirteen of them sit with the Bears. So, you know, there's a number of reasons. You know, Derek Hill, I think, says it one of the best. The baldy boil bag finally decides to take his new Lamborghini out of the garage only to stall it on the driveway where it has no mobility and practically gets demolished by anyone who went near it. Um, so, Patrick Wilson, supposed to be a great play caller uh, about Matt Nagy, but overseas an offense that is as bland as porridge. The Bears had one net passing yard on Sunday, I reckon every member of the NFL Scotland podcast could manage more. Yes, that's one for the vote. Karen, Patrick, totally agree with you. Right, um, we'll move on from we'll that. Out on the porch, <laughs> don't we? Uh, he, he has drunk that whiskey. There's absolutely no doubt about it. He's drunk, he's drunk my whiskey because I've not had my bottle yet, by the way. Yeah. So. David Drybara, uh, also for taking somehow, for sorry, for somehow taking a bad offensive unit and making it worse. Uh, you know, there's a number of reasons. Sean Breen, uh, Greg Keenan, Paul Marnie. There's a whole load of people have said um, the Bears, uh, the Bears offense, you know, Justin Fields all getting in that. There's a few other ones here that I think are really interesting that probably needs just discussed. There's quite a few for Ben Roethlisberger. Jamie Morrison, Caitlin Foley, Jordan and Johnny Bailey. Both, all of them pick Big Ben. So Johnny Bailey says, for his screen pass to Najee on 4th and 10 alone, Big Ben is this week's ball bag. Awful play all round yesterday, and I believe he is now finished. 
Jimmy. I have to say, I'm quite happy with the way that Ben Roethlisberger played this week because he gave he gave a record number of passes to Najee Harris, who happens to be in my fantasy team. He put, in, he put, 19 he targets. Obscene, 19 yeah, targets. ridiculous. He got an obscene number of targets. Ridiculous amount of points. He, he was he was the he was the running back leader in targets coming into the week because like someone asked him the question and he had a laugh because he thought it was a he thought it was like a bizarre stat that he knew had to have come from PFF because no one. <laughs> No one else, apparently, everyone else collects targets. So I don't really know where he was coming from with it. But anyway, 19 targets for running backs, insane. It is insane. It is insane. Um, can I just can I just say though that this this is probably the greatest victory I've ever had on this podcast. That Johnny Bailey's belter of the week is the Ravens kicker, and his Bob Ag of the week is the Steelers quarterback. That I've been telling him for half a year now. He's I'm done. We're gonna have to just, get. Johnny on the pod at some point. See when the Ravens <laughs> play the Steelers, right? Before that game, we're getting Johnny on the pod, right? Johnny, if you're listening, uh, pencil it in your diary. You, you're booked, son. Um, right, there's a few other, the New York Jets, Dave Nichol, for being a, uh, a for being a pitiful excuse of an organisation well on their way to wasting another top rookie quarterback. Who's to say Zach Wilson's flame won't go out? There's a few years, it won't go out in a, f- sorry, who's to say Zach Wilson won't flame out? There's a good few years uh, and then end up somewhere competent and become an actual quarterback. Sam Darnold looks like he's doing okay, free from the turgid pool in New Jersey. Um, the Lions get a nomination from Ewan Chalmers. Tucker should never have been in the position to hit that field goal in the first place. Chris Breen gives it to Cliff Kingsbury for attempting a 68-yard field goal that led to the kick six. Absolutely awful decision. Um, Chris McKay gives it to Jason Garrett. Has he not been sacked yet? Seriously? Um, the Jags Cardinals ref. Uh, hang on, Fergus. hang on, hang on a second. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm not having this for Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett is doing an outstanding job for Dallas, and I won't <laughs> hear a word against him. So, no, I'm sorry. That's ridiculous. The inside man. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Fergus says the Jags Cardinals refs for hitting the ball in the air with a flag resulting in a muff punt is definite Bob Aggery. Or exceptional ability to hit a moving ball with a flag. That's some skills. Get him signed. He could throw for a yard in the NFL. Um, See, I, I think you could hit a ball with a flag, but you can't throw for one yard. <laughs> there you go. Um, uh, Charles, you got one this week from Tony Brewerton for giving up on the pigs, pick six or uh, the pigskin pick them, sorry, our Bonnie Sauce pick them competition or forgetting to make oh, your picks. Oh. Yeah, so actually, I have a point about that. There's clearly a second Charles Patterson account. So I went and had, I got an email, and apparently, Two I got Charles Patterson's. Is the other one run by David Tanner? And <laughs> I got uh, 12 out of 16 on my second account, but zero on my first account. Uh-huh. So it didn't register. You're in charge of this. So you can fix it. <laughs> Take it up with ESPN, I, my it's friend. It's clearly your fault, though. <laughs> I didn't even know there was a second account You clearly there. signed up for a second account. Twice. I didn't even I, know there no, was a second no, account there. No I, I'm, with, I'm with Charles. That happened to me last year. Would you believe it? I've got three accounts for, oh, from yeah. the, this ESPN, all under the same email address. Ridiculous. And I've had, to, I've had to go on and rename two of them. Uh, one is called PM doesn't play this one, and the other one is called PM delete this entry. I didn't even know there was another one there. Yeah. I don't know how it activated, but anyway, I'm done. I don't know what the hell's going on. It's ridiculous. <laughs> You're can not I just, done. Can I just? It's early yeah, no. in the season. You keep going. I'm just bottom now. So Mitchell will tell you. Time. Mitchell will tell you. It doesn't matter where you are. In fact, Gordon had a stinker. Gordon I, messed up a bunch of picks. 
I, I missed I, last week. I only got the last two games. Yeah. I got I, I got uh, twelve out of uh, sixteen, so I'm quite comfortable with that, even if it didn't register. The season is I, long. I have gone. I have gone from 16. five and eleven. I'm now twenty six and twenty two. That's a recovery, boys. Yeah, that's um, a recovery. We will come to that and give an update on yeah. this in a minute. But there's two more no, that don't, I'm going to. I don't care about that anymore. There's two more <laughs> that I'm going to give as Bob Ag Awards. I'm going to read them out because I think the one of these is definitely a contender. So Gavin Newlands, first of all, is giving it to Vic Fangio. Uh, not expecting any real argument, as this is a bit niche, but Vic said that the Broncos fans are probably the best in the NFL. This is demonstrably certifiable bullshit. Also, <laughs> what? He's, I hope he's not getting carried away with being 3-0 and against teams that are 0-9. Moreover, these teams were a combined 9-39 and last year, whereas the Raiders have beaten teams with a combined record last year of 33-15. And the two of those teams had top-ranked Ds. Sit down and behave, Denver. Oh, this is a boring interdivisional moan, isn't it? It's You've just been like banging on about the Bears. Oh, for God. <laughs> I, no, I like that it. Guy's a ball I bag. like We're it. Actually, nominating him as a ball bag. They're three and zero. Come on, give Fair me some point. Credit. Oh, I, I hate. I hate the. Oh, the teams they've played are own are own nine yeah, combined. Totally. Three of those losses are to the Broncos. A third of those nine are the Broncos. <laughs> No, all right. not having that. Um, the other one that comes in from Lauren Callahan is for Lyle Collins. So, not sure if you're familiar uh-huh. with this story here, <laughs> yes. but the whole story is dragging on too long and turning it into a he said, he said storyline. So, the Lyle Collins one. Week one, the day after opening game with Tampa, first the news is leaked that he's been suspended for missing tests. His agent then says it's being appealed. Week two, Lyle's agent details dates of the missing tests, linking it to the day Cowboy strength coach collapsed and the players were sent home. Another when he was having surgery on his hip. All sounds like fine, he's got a legitimate thing. Week three, the NFL announces that Lyle had rejected a two-match suspension to appeal, with further allegations that Collins had attempted to bribe the drugs tester and now has a five-game ban. <laughs> Only five uh, games. Only five games. Wow. Yeah. Well, interestingly, a bit of breaking news is that Gerald McCoy has just tested positive for a banned substance and has been banned for six games, Ooh. and he's admitted it. So I don't understand how to bribe someone you get a lesser of a ban than admitting it. What was the logic in that? Oof. That's ridiculous. There isn't any. Can, I give, you, yeah, can yeah. I give you a couple of Bob Bag nominations? One is for Jalen Waddle. Now, if you watch the Raiders and Miami, he is the first person to catch a pass with no penalties, no flags, no fumbles, and give up a safety. The first person that that has ever happened to. He got absolutely tattooed in the end zone by the Raiders. In in fairness, I don't think that was his fault. Like that was a horrible play call and a horrible design. Like, what are they trying to do to get out the end zone there? Drop the ball. You're about to get melted. But but the design of the play was he's meant to catch that. I know, but why are they running that there? It was it was the one of the dumbest play yeah. calls I've seen in a long, long time. And the other one, the other nomination, is to the New Orleans Saints fans who think that Winston meant the throw to Callaway. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Classic oh, That is not a hope in hell that he meant that. That should have been picked. It was a touchdown. I'll take it. But please, for, for all in the name that is holy, please do not, even to wind me up, because I don't accept it, believe that was meant. It wasn't. Let's you move d- on. You just can't go a week without having a go at him. Come on. No, I can't. 
Just no, be nice. Be nice. Be kind, Paul. Come I was going to try and be kind, but, but two and one. It's he, just he, played, he didn't mean it. Anyway, can I give you the the other the he other did one? Did something that Breeze never did, and he won in New England for the Saints. First time the Saints have done it since '95. I'll tell you what, Cameron. When the last time New Orleans played New England, Breeze beat them and took the team to the Super Bowl and won it. Until Winston does that, not interested. Anyway, I know we're Orleans, NFL. Right? I don't. I don't care. Let, <laughs> let's nip quickly to the world of college football and the, the story that is just breaking. Georgia Southern has suspended defensive lineman Gavin Adcock for chugging a beer atop the team bus before Saturday's game. Before now. Excellent. Yeah, before the game. Now, you might think that would give you a bit of bobag territory. However, apparently, if you read his apology that he's come out with, if you read between the lines, he's basically said, hey, it was worth it. So I think that's, <laughs> that is a wonderful moment. Go, go and check that out, by the way. That's brilliant. I, I have a nomination for bobag that Cameron's going to have to find the analytics pish button for. <laughs> So this is from this is from Joe Judge today, who said, "Analytics is just a tool. You can look at a stat sheet all you want. I promise you, if Excel was going to win football games, Bill Gates would be killing it right now. But you've got to take those numbers as a tool to go ahead, factor, blah 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 blah. You haven't won a football game this year, Joe. Like I don't think you, right right now, Excel would be favoured against you. So." <laughs> Oh, that's brilliant. No, he'll, he'll go back to his Windows Vista and get on with it. Don't worry. Oh, I think it's fair. tremendous. I think it's a fair nomination. Who's our winner, though? Who is the Bob Ags Bob Ag of the Week? I mean, obviously, the, ba- the Bears oh, and Nagy are definitely. Matt, Na- Matt Nagy. Is Matt Nagy, Nagy wins it. Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Landslide. Just, just throw the whole organization in there. So, A, appointing Nagy. B, Letting him stay in the job that long, see drafting a quarterback that they wanted to get killed, and then just being incompetent—that's fine by me. <laughs> okay, um, so um, <clears throat> that leaves us just really to do. So, actually, sorry, I didn't—I didn't say it officially. Matt Nagy, you are the ball bag's ball bag of the week. Congratulations! Yeah. Congratulations! Um, right, we need to pick our winners. So let's do the whiskey first of all. And Charles, I am going to come to Can you. Can I do the ball bag, please? Oh, you want to do the Yeah, I was going to say, let me, oh, let yeah. me, for let Tucker. me do the belter for, for, for Tucker, Tucker. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Sorry. I'm not, I'm trying to read the, my spreadsheet and think about stuff at the same time. That's why there'll be more as than normal. And let's be honest, it's my go to word anyway. But I, uh, I, I can't believe you don't win awards with spreadsheets. Come on. <laughs> you don't. I'm using Excel <laughs> right Jesus. now. I'm genuinely no. using Excel right now. Joe Judge, don't use it. <laughs> It's the only thing you've excelled at all day. I shut your face, right? <laughs> I'm getting that one yard. Right. So, um, number between 1 and 42, Gordon, for the Loch Lomond Whiskey winner with two NFL Scotland tumblers. Let's go with his number. Let's go number nine. Number nine. The winner of that is Caitlin Foley. So, congratulations, Caitlin. We'll be in touch with you to sort out your bottle of whiskey and your two tumblers. Mr. Patterson, you get to pick the ball bag. Uh, so I'm going to pick the number of seconds it took for Aaron Rodgers to march up the field and guide Green Bay to the winning <laughs> kick 
number 37. So congratulations to Philip Spears. Philip, you're getting a nice pair of ball bags underwear. That's our two winners for this week. Well done, everybody involved. Um, there's only then one other thing that we'd need to do, and that's a proper update on the Bonnie Sauce NFL Scotland podcast pick kick king or queen of 2021 so there are three names up atop the pile with a 35 and 13 record so far this season one of these times this person's either going to drop away or i'm going to figure out how to say their name i don't know what's going to happen first uh akulinox picks uh dumfries demons and reese evans all sitting there at number one at the top then there's three teams tied for equal fourth jerry bowlers who was our pick King, not last year, but the year before, uh, Juju Dance Studio and Mark Bavaro's Disco Pants, all with 34 and 14. Then we've got four people who are equal seventh. We've got Steelman's Picks. We've got Evo's Experts. We've got David Old. And we've got Smells Like Cheese Spirit. Special mention goes to Steelman's Picks because they got 14 out of 16 right this week, which is a tremendous performance. And so far, our overall best performance in any week of the season to date. So congratulations. Keep it up. Remember to make your picks. Remember to get those in. Um, we've been prattling on for over an hour already, gentlemen, so let's just keep this short. Which game are you looking forward to most in week four? I almost said three. Uh, well, it's Brady back in New England. That's it. It's the only one. Sunday night, Al, Chris, Michelle, Belichick, Brady, bring it on. Gordon? Game on. I mean, that's the obvious choice. If we're going to go, let's go niche scene as... Charles only picked one, and that's time, and that's not going to be a contest. Them. It's not going to be a contest. So, well, I will be intrigued. I, I, I don't. I think you're right. I think it will not be a contest. That I think but it might be. I think Belichick will have. He's he's a crafty bugger. He'll have something up his sleeve. There'll be something going on. There's a brilliant interview apparently Brady's done with ESPN this week saying I know everything that's going to happen over the next uh, seven days in terms of what Belichick says, what he does, what he doesn't do. He knows what the wind direction is going to be, what the weather's going to be like. I mean, he'll probably go in and throw 50 points on the Patriots. And actually, I'm sure he'd love that to, to, to do that. But I just think Belichick will have some dirty trick up his sleeve. Something <laughs> so horrible. I'm, I'm going to go for in, uh, one that has me very intrigued. I'm looking forward to watching on Friday morning. I think Jaguars Bengals is really interesting because the Bengals could be three and one after four games, putting themselves right in the playoff hunt. Their offense looks very efficient. Uh, Jamar Chase looks every bit worth the pick they drafted him with. Joe Burrow looks to be starting to get back to his swagger that he had uh, before. And, you know, we're getting to see two, the last two number one overall picks going against each other. I, I think that's a really interesting game that might not be, it might be a blowout for the Bengals. It, it might not be, but I just think the storylines that go along with it. I'm going to go the, the, the Paul Mitchell route and I'm going to say the storylines in that game this week yeah, are interesting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, leading on to Mr. Mitchell. Your storylines has been taken, Mitchell. Where are you going? Well, well, my narrative this week. Sorry, uh, narrative, not storyline. Uh, no, no, no. Storyline was, to be fair, storyline was so last week. Uh, we're, we're, we're going with narrative now. Um, I like the Browns-Vikings. I think that's a fascinating game. Uh, the Vikings, as Charles mentioned, could be 3-0. Uh, easily could be 3-0. I think Kirk Cousins has played really well this season. And it's a great test for 
the Browns on the road. Minnesota have won five of the last six against them. So I think that's interesting. And I think the game that flies under the radar, precisely because Tampa Bay play New England, is Arizona at LA. Mm. I think that's a really potentially a really good game. Um, People know on this podcast, I don't particularly like the Rams. The Rams have won the last eight straight against Arizona. Matt Stafford's looking brilliant. That pass to Deshaun Jackson uh, was utterly terrific. Uh, Jackson's stealing way down the middle. I think that's a sneaky good game coming up. Um, So that's my choice of watching. Yeah, Monday I night football right too, actually, as well. Raiders Chargers. That's actually that's an acid test for both teams. If Raiders yeah, win that, if Raiders win that, they're four and Last time yeah. they were four and they went to the Super Bowl. So you've stolen you've stolen my game off me because that was going to be the one that I was definitely going to yeah. highlight. I think that that's fascinating because will the Steelers continue their great form? They've been playing very very well. The yeah. Chargers have shown in discipline and they need to get on top of that. But that's a great win against the Chiefs. To Gordon's point, you've got that come down the week after. That the the Ravens had against the Lions, you know, do the, how do the Chargers keep themselves going? The fact that it's a divisional rival may help them. The fact that it's Monday Night Football may help them. But I think that's a fascinating game, and I agree as well with the the Cardinals Rams. Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray is playing brilliantly. Um, the the Cardinals and offense are superb, but the Rams defense is very very good, and Stafford is a massive upgrade. The I'm actually wondering what the odds are on an all-LA final in LA. Um, and it doesn't feel utterly ridiculous at the moment to suggest that that could happen. Um, yeah. It'll be long odds, rightly so, but imagine, just imagine, we've just come on the back of a Tampa, you know, winning a home game. Could we have the first ever NFL game where both the teams are having a home game? <laughs> it's like having Jets-Giants in MetLife. Uh, that'll never happen. Um, but, you know, imagine a Rams-Chargers final. That would be something else. But- the, in- the interesting thing sitting here at the start of week four is that the Chiefs are bottom of their division. And we've been saying for the last two years here, if you're going to win the Super Bowl, you have to get past Mahomes and the Chiefs. They are vulnerable just now. And you've never got a better chance, if you're in the AFC, to topple the Chiefs than you have at this point. And the AFC West is as strong as it's ever been. And there are two teams meeting on Monday night. They know they have to win that game because then they're two games ahead of the Chiefs if they do so. See, see if we're being honest about Mahomes as well, if you go back to probably the final third of last season, he's not he's not the same quarterback. And I don't I mean, know if he's now getting the back. Line, the offensive line. Stuff. Yeah. The, the line's better this year than it was last year. He, against the Ravens and against the Chargers, He's tried to do too much. And I don't know if it's maybe in his head because of how bad the line was last year. But he had a horrible interception against the Ravens. He had another poor play against the Chargers where he's trying to do too much. And when it comes off, he gets praised the high heavens as he should. He's had a couple of throws that he should have never attempted the last couple of weeks. Yes, indeed. And you know what? We, we've probably done the Chargers a discredit by not talking about their win more in this podcast. So if you're a Chargers fan, you listen to this, we apologise. I think we're going to give uh, the Chargers plenty of There are no Chargers fans. <laughs> Maybe there will be by the end of week four. Cameron, um, can, I, can I just finish by saying that we could be witnessing uh, some history uh, when we go to the London game? Um not that I might buy someone a beer. That's been done before, before anybody starts. Um, but we might be witnesses to the second longest losing streak uh, in NFL history. 
and the longest by a non-new uh, team, if you like, because the longest belongs to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who lost their first 26 games and won number 27 against, of course, the New Orleans Saints. Um, the longest regular team, if you call it that, is the Lions. Uh, they're on 19 games. Um, the Jacksonville Jaguars, by the time they come to Wembley, may have made history and lost 20 games in a row. Oof. They've lost 18 at the moment. Um, they would be the f- they've become the first team to lose 21. Um, should the, should that happen? So, I think it's quite an interesting storyline. Um, you know, we all know the Lions had an 0-17 season, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but this this is looking ugly now. Um, so, yeah. There you go. Just if we get any Jacksonville Jaguar fans around, hey, happy days. My seven-year-old is—he's—he's my seven-year-old is a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. He came into the room as he was going to bed on Sunday night and watched that 109-yard touchdown. That he walked in and it literally happened two seconds later, and he thinks that Christmas has come early. Goes to bed, wakes up in the morning. What happened? Well, they got what do you think happened? <laughs> they lost again. He went, "Oh well, they might win at some point." So that's what uh, it's like to be a Jacks. Uh, I mean, there's a case to be made for some questions about your parenthood that you allowed your son to be a Jacksonville Jaguar fan. That's, that's cruel. Uh, I'm not going to... Meanwhile, meanwhile, you're a Green Bay Packers fan. Your team are more, more often than not in the playoffs. Just let him suffer. Correct. Yeah. Also, I, great, I need to make one quick, one quick correction. Paul, you said that the Lions are already had an own 17 season. Of course, they've only had an own 16 season. Uh, the I Lions fans, are, they've yeah. suffered enough today. But fear not, Lions fans, that own 17 is definitely still on for this season. It's not over yeah. yet, so stick with it. <laughs> yeah, might get there. Yeah, and that, yeah I, wasn't, I wasn't selling them short. They had every ability that year to go. They're fully capable. We believe in them. Uh, that is the full-time whistle, I think, for episode. Episode 163. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Please share your thoughts on this and every podcast on social media at Scotland NFL on Twitter and search for NFL Scotland on Facebook. And if you've not listened to our podcast with Kevin Harlan, the best radio announcer in the States and one of the top TV guys, please do go back and listen to it. It's absolutely fabulous. A great insight into broadcasting. Also, check out our social media. Check out our website. The writer's putting up some great stuff there. My thanks to Charles Patterson, to Gordon McGuinness, to my partner Cameron Hobbs. We'll be back next week with more from the NFL Scotland podcast team. Until then, bye for now. Breaking news that we didn't cover in your burger bet, Aaron Jones is dealing with an ankle injury. It's questionable for this weekend. It's 500 to 233 at this point. I hope he doesn't miss time. It just gives it... Do you know the the stat I wanted to share but didn't get around to because there was no place for us to talk about it? The NFL leader in yards per rushing attempt and yards per completion right now. I know who yards per completion is. Don't you worry. We know who. And, and yards per rush. Lamar. <laughs> we know it's but Lamar. Vibrant, don't worry. They could be 0 3 right now. Vibrant downfield. They could be 0 3. That's the vibrant downfield passing attack that is the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> no dump offs in Baltimore. That's for sure. It's absolutely none. <laughs> Because there's no running bikes to dump off to. <laughs> <laughs>